Uh, we have been, if you've not been with us, uh, studying the uh, Gospel of Luke, and we've been working our way very, very slowly through that. So uh, last week, we talked a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John the Baptist came and said that somebody was coming after him, and he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire. And our takeaway on that was that the baptism of the Spirit is really for everybody. It's, it's not a, a peripheral issue or sort of an addendum to our Christian life. It's really essential. And uh, our encouragement and prayer is that we will all be uh, filled and, and baptized with the Spirit. The second half of that is that um, it's not a one and done. It's not a one-shot deal that... Uh, the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit is something that needs to happen in our lives continually. I liken it unto gas in the car. That's my favorite analogy. You can have a really cool car. You can have a fast car, a luxurious car, car with all the options. You know, my wife's car has those little seat warmers. I really like that in the wintertime. That's nice. Um, but you can have all that stuff. And if you don't have any gas in the car, you can't go. And uh, so you fill your car up and you're good to go for a while, but eventually that gas is going to run out and you got to fill it up again. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be filled up time and time again because uh, take it from one who knows, you can run out. So today we're going to continue uh, looking at Luke. Again, just recap, uh, John the Baptist came and he said uh, he wasn't the Messiah, and uh, we were praying this morning before service about just the sense of expectancy of God. And when John showed up, there was a sense of expectancy in the air. People were waiting, they were looking, they were wondering, they were watching. Uh, they, they had taken the prophecies of Isaiah and some of the other Old Testament prophets to heart, and they were expecting something to happen. They knew somebody was coming. They didn't know when or what or exactly what it would be, but there was sort of that air of expectancy that you could almost feel it. It was electric. And so when John showed up, they said, are you the guy? Are you the one we're waiting for? And John said, no, it's not me, but he's coming soon. He'll be here soon. Uh... We have the first mention of Jesus as an adult. If you remember back earlier in Luke, uh, we, we had the birth narrative and some, some uh, of the early part of Jesus' life. Uh, but this is the first mention in the Gospel of Luke of Jesus as an adult. That comes in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. I want to look at that real quick. It says, when all the people were being baptized, so John is baptizing people in the Jordan River, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus is uh, our model, he's our example. He is sort of the one we look to, to figure out how do we construct this life? How do I put my life together in such a way that it, it's, it's what God wants, it, 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 it honors him in a way that I follow after him? Uh, those, are, those are challenging kind of things at times. And we can look to the life of Jesus and see how that works. And so I, I believe that there's a few things uh, in, the, in this morning's passage uh, that sort of set a tone for us and set that pattern for what happened in Jesus' life and maybe how that can apply to our lives. So our title this morning is inside out. If you want to go ahead and hit the next slide, boom shakalaka. There we go. Uh, we'll pray real quick again, and then we'll get into it, huh? So Lord, I just ask you to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that you would take 
uh, your word and you would cause it to penetrate our hearts and to bring new life in this new season. Your name we pray. Amen. In uh, Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples and his followers that when the Holy Spirit comes on them, that that two things will happen. First, they'll receive power. And then when they receive that power, they will become his witnesses. So a witness is someone who gives a testimony, right? We all know how that works. You've seen... Uh, you know, courtroom situations where the witness says, well, this is what I saw. This is what happened. This person came here and did that. So uh, a witness is just a testimony of what someone has seen, what they've heard, what they experienced. And Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses. We We will do that. We will share about who he is and what he is and what we've experienced in him. Now, being a witness is very much like very much of our Christian experience, and that it's a very outward and visible thing. And that's good. Um, You know, other people won't know about Jesus unless we tell them. Paul says that in Romans. How will they know unless someone tells them? How will someone, you know, how, how can you... Someone tell them unless you go go do it. It's a, it's a process, and uh, unless we share our faith with others, unless we give testimony, unless we're witnesses, they won't know. The Christian faith is a very active faith. Okay, um, it, it involves doing things. It's it's very much a there's a there's a very much a visible component to it. However, and if you'll hit the next slide, that visible part is an outward expression of an inward transformation. All of the activity, everything that we see, and really everything that we do, is the result of something that actually happens inside of us. And, and, and that transformative work, that thing that takes place inside, is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, and it's, many of you have experienced this and you understand this, but it's very much a cooperative effort. Uh, God will not force us into anything. He's not going to make us do anything. But conversely, and, and probably maybe like me, some of you have been here, we try harder, we think we can do better uh, to, to get to where we want to be in God, and it doesn't work. The only way it works is when we really say yes And we allow the Spirit of God to begin to work inside of us. Both that internal transformation and the external expression are really vital to to Christian life. James tells us that in chapter 2. He says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And that's a rhetorical question. The answer, implied answer is no. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Next slide. But someone who says, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without my deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So while that outward expression is vital... It's necessary. Uh, it begins inside. So this morning we want to take a little bit of a look at the, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit in the life of Jesus, so that possibly we can learn a little bit about how that works 
in our lives. So if you go to the next slide and we'll look at 21 and 22 again. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. First thing that happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is there is an affirmation of God's love for us. There's a blessing that comes. And I shared with you a little bit last week, uh, and I I won't repeat the story because it made me cry that time and I don't want to cry again. Um, But there's something that happens inside when the Spirit of God comes into our lives and we just sense and know all of a sudden the love of God in a very, very tangible way. Charles Finney called it liquid love. Uh, and it's real, and, and you feel it, and you sense it, and you know it. There's an affirmation and a blessing. Uh, I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm pleased with you. And I want to I say this today. I just felt, you know, whatever you might believe about yourself, whatever anybody else might have told you about yourself, Whatever you may have done at any point or whatever you may have not done at any point, you are his daughter, you are his son. He loves you and he's well pleased. Can I pray that of you guys? Lord, I just thank you that we have an affirmation of love from you and that regardless of anything that culture, society, the world, or anybody else has placed upon us, that Transcending all that is your love and your good pleasure in who we are. Amen. And I think it's significant for us to realize here, uh, at this point in Jesus' life, he hadn't done anything yet. This was not a good job. This is not an attaboy. This was not performance-based in any way. God is just saying, Hey, you're my kid and I love you. And I, and I think we understand that in the life of our children. You know, when a baby's born, you love that baby. And they didn't do anything to get loved. They just got born. And you love them. It's not performance-based. It's not based on good behavior. I get that. We have uh, two new puppies in our house. And it's very performance-based. If they do good, they get a treat. If they don't do good... They don't get a treat. But we are not puppies, <laughs> and God is not us. And he loves us without us having to do anything to earn that love. The, um, the remainder of the chapter here is the genealogy of Jesus going all the way back to Adam. And I'm not going to uh, bore you guys or embarrass myself by reading that, but I want to skip ahead now to verse 1 of chapter 4 which says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so I think the first thing that happens when we're filled with the Spirit is the affirmation and blessing of God. The second thing that happens is we can expect and anticipate God to begin to lead us and guide us. Um, Life has a lot of directional sorts of decisions in it, does it not? Uh, Really, daily. Daily. 
daily there are directional choices that we need to make, and sometimes those things can be overwhelming. Some more than others, and, and sometimes we navigate them well, sometimes we don't, but it can be overwhelming sometimes to make those directional kinds of decisions, and, and I, I think at times we can even be incapacitated by small decisions. Donna and I have some friends who uh, will remain nameless for the purpose of this recording, but uh, they were going to go on a date, have a date night one time. And so they got uh, somebody to come over and watch their kids, and they got kind of dressed up, put nice clothes on, and they got a car to go to the restaurant, and they go, well, let's go here. Oh, no, wait a minute, I don't want to go there. Let's go over there to that restaurant. And then they go, no, 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 let's go to this place. And then, no, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't like the things they have there. Let's go over here. And they literally drove around for an hour and a half, unable to decide on where to eat dinner, and ended up going home. Uh, and I just want to say, that would never happen to me. I, I like to eat. I would just drive through Taco Bell. But, uh, amen? <laughs> but I empathize because I realize that, you know, decisions can be immobilizing at times. Now, maybe not where to eat dinner, but certainly career decisions, job decisions, education, relational decisions, moving, those are big things and they can be challenging. And and I think uh, my point is simply this, it can be monumentally helpful to have the voice of God speak into those things. When the Spirit comes into our life and begins to be active, there really is an ongoing dialogue that takes place. And and, you know, Jesus says repeatedly that, you know, we hear his voice, we know his name, he knows our names, and there's this interaction that takes place. And so we can have the leading and the guiding of the Spirit in our lives. Go to the next slide. Verse 2, so Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Oh, my. Uh, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's not really a fun time. Not only was he tempted by the devil, but he was tempted by the devil for 40 days throughout which time he was fasting. That is really not a fun time. Um, Let me parenthetically just say fasting is a regular part of our Christian experience. It's it's something that... uh, gives us, it provides for us an opportunity to focus our heart and our mind on God a little more intently than we might otherwise. And if you have not fasted or do not fast, I, I would encourage you to do so, uh, to, to pick a day or a Sabbath or a time or maybe a quiet day and just take time out and, and fast. It really is a discipline that is beneficial to us. Um, you know, many Christians fast regularly. Uh, I know a lot of Christians who fast a day, uh, one day a week. I've done that at different times in my life in the past. Uh, but you can just pick a specific time, and, it, and you can just do a meal. Some people do a sun up to sundown fast. It, it, it's not. It doesn't. You know that that isn't as important as just the the discipline of doing it. I've done uh, I've done twice in my life a ten day fast, uh, which was not easy. It was very difficult, but it was it was beneficial. Uh, Jesus was here in the wilderness doing a 40-day fast. Uh, Don't do that. Uh, Let me just say, 40 days is a long time. I I know people who have done that. If you ever feel compelled by the Spirit to do a 40-day fast, it's really something that should be done probably with your doctor's supervision and some external influence and help. But um, that's not to say that 
It isn't good for us to fast. Um, Jesus was here in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, led there by the Holy Spirit. So that begs the question. I don't know if you're asking, but the first thing I ask is, why? Why, why would this happen? My assumption is that if the Spirit is leading us, he should lead us into good things. Anybody with me on that? I'm thinking if I'm following the leading of the Spirit, he will lead me into good things. So why would this take place? And my, my answer is this, and, and sometimes we have to just deal with um, some hard truth. Okay? But the truth is this, sometimes difficult things are good things. Sometimes difficult times are, are good for us. Sometimes we will encounter God in more intensely and more really, more tangibly in the wilderness. We all love, uh, we even have a name for it, we all love mountaintop experiences, right? You know what I mean by that? Retreat or, uh, you know, a, a conference or something where you, it, the worship is just full and it's just the presence of God is real and it's just warm and fuzzy and it's awesome and it's beautiful and you cry and it's just great. And we love that. And we need that. We need, we all, we need mountaintop experiences in our lives. Um, but let me say this. I, I want to encourage you that when you're in the valley, when you're in the wilderness, God is there too. God is in the valley every bit as much as he's on the mountaintop. I was looking through, uh, reading through the book of Psalms this week in preparation, and it talks about the valley a lot in Psalms. And it's interesting because we're all familiar with Psalm 23, even though I walk through what? The valley of the shadow of death. And so the valley can be a dark place. But there are, but he says, I walk through that valley, you're with me. But there are other places where he talks about a fertile valley and a valley being a place of life. So it's not an either or. It really is a both end situation. The valley can be dark. It can be hard. But God is there and it can also be a place of growth and a place of maturity. I believe this, as much as we may not like it, that God can mature us and strengthen us and grow us and deepen our faith in the valley in a way he never can on the mountaintop. So I say that just as a word of encouragement to you today. If you're in a valley this morning, um, know that God is there and ask him, what is it that he wants to do in your life while you're in the valley? I guarantee he's there with you. So we need mountaintops and valleys. Um, I think we can be super thankful. I'm thankful for the guidance and the direction of God, regardless of where he leads me. He leads me in the right paths, no matter, uh, whether they're up or down, and even at tough times. Go to the next slide on verse 14. It says, Jesus, so this is coming out of the wilderness, after his 40 days of fasting and temptation, returned to Galilee, and the power of the Spirit, news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And so when we're filled with the Spirit, just recap really quickly, we have the blessing and affirmation of God, we can expect and anticipate the leading and guidance of the Spirit, and uh, we are empowered. We're empowered. And we said before, 
You, you can't do this. We can't be his witnesses. We can't really accomplish anything in this life. We can't do what he's called us to do or be the people he's called us to be without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, that, that's just the reality of it. We, we can't even be, if you think about Galatians, uh, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What are those? They are the fruit of the Spirit. We can't even be those things. We can't accomplish any of that without the Spirit of God actively moving in our life. But the good news is, with the Spirit in our life, we can. Yay. Um, one more verse, and with this, uh, you guys can come back up, Tuck, if you want. As that was happening to Jesus, he was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. And, and I, I realized that another thing that happens in the Spirit is that it's, it causes us to become supernaturally attractive. Did you know that? When you have the presence of the Spirit of God working in your life, it sort of radiates, it kind of, it causes people to be drawn to you. It's a little bit like uh, in the summertime, we love to, to eat and, uh, out on our deck and have barbecues and have people over. And sometimes we have these yellow jackets that swirl around. They're so annoying. But we get that little yellow jacket trap and we move it over there and hang it. You put that little piece of rotten hamburger in there and they all go over there. So that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. Well, not exactly, but you get the idea. It's an attractant. It really is. People were drawn to Jesus, and I think the reason they were drawn to him is because he was radiating the presence of the Spirit. So just my final encouragement to you today is, as we, as we radiate the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives, becoming a witness is really easy because people are drawn to who we are in him. Uh, so, so with that, uh, why don't we stand together... And I want to pray. The team is going to lead us in one more song, but before they do that, I want to invite the presence of the Spirit to come and just begin to fill us afresh. I I really feel we've been praying for quite a bit, uh, quite quite a while here, and and really believe that God's moving us into a new season as a fellowship, as a church. And uh, I just want to pray that as that happens, we would have the presence of His Spirit in us to, uh, to carry us through that time.